This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Walton's, Aluma Trailers, Federal Ammunition, North Dakota Tourism, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. Today we're live at Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota with my Flush co-hosts, Bill Shirk and Scott Franzen, to kick off the start of another hunting season, pheasant hunting season actually. It's finally here. We'll talk pheasants. We'll also share early season success stories from grouse camps in the Northwoods, plus a grizzly bear attacks a bird hunter, and a whole lot more. Welcome to this week's episode of the Flush Podcast. I am Travis Frank. I'm your host. There's some whistles out there. We like that. Brandon Morton is hiding behind me. He's our producer. We are at Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota. We have a mixed audience tonight, which is kind of fun, actually. We've got a bunch of hunters in the audience, and we have, I don't know, maybe some non-hunters in the audience. But either way, we're hoping to entertain all of you listening tonight. We are an upland bird hunting podcast, and if you've ever listened to this, uh, we talk about a lot of hunting. We talk about a lot of dogs, and you're invited to be a part of the show tonight. We've got a few items up here, and we have, Brandon, that's a live mic. Yes. All right, we got a live microphone over there. So if you have questions, we want to hear from you, and you'll be on the show. We also have some items here from Federal and Benelli and Onyx Elite Memberships. If you ask a question, take home one of these items, and I'm free beer. told there's free beer. Free beer so for a question. We've got drink chips here. Come on up at any time, and we will include you in the show. But gentlemen, Scott Franzen to my left, Bill Shirk here, co-host of The Flush. It's good to be back. Good Bill, you, you just climbed out of the woods. It's sad. We were just here out on the deck, and it was beautiful <laughs> mm-hmm. on the way over. For everyone in here, it was snowing. Well, that's why, that's why ago. Ron Shera didn't make it tonight. <laughs> the snow was falling, and we don't want him to be driving on such treacherous roads. So we said, it's not worth it, Ron. Turn around, head back. We'll get it next time. So he's safe at home where there's no snow, I hope. But it's here, guys. Pheasant season. Scott, I know you've been jacked up. For, for a month? No. At least. No, at least. No. Every time I walk into your e- office, you just... Each day, my tail wags more, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Who's more excited right now, you or Millie? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I, I think I think Millie might be, but we're both just ready for the opener. And we, yeah. we, I was out Western Minnesota last week doing a little scouting, and we found birds. We saw crops coming in. It's it a lot of birds. I just I think it's going to be a really good good season. We're going to get into it, but before we do, I have a crazy story that just made headlines today. Bill, I don't even know if you've seen this. Scott and I were talking about this before we drove over here, but this is a story out of Great Falls, Montana. David Murray wrote the story for Great Falls Tribune. The headline, ran him over 677-pound grizzly bear attacks, injures bird hunter in Montana. I'm going to tell you the story here because it's worth the read, okay? Great Falls, Montana, 18 minutes ago, which is probably like two hours ago from when we're recording this. But anyway, it just happened. A 51-year-old bird hunter sustained non-life-threatening injuries when he was charged 
at and run over by an adult male grizzly bear weighing nearly 700 pounds Tuesday afternoon in Montana. The hunter and his wife encountered the bear at 1 p.m. while hunting for upland birds in a creek bottom east of Chateau, Montana, which if you know where Great Falls is, it's just a little ways north of Great Falls, kind of north, central, northwest Montana. Anyway, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks news release states the bear charged out of thick brush at close range. The spokesperson said a Washington state couple was hunting in Teton County with a couple of their dogs in the river bottom when they saw some movement in a thick patch of brush in front of them. They could see a small patch of brown but couldn't make out what was causing the disturbance. Their dogs were on point and the husband was going in to go and flush out the birds. (laughs) Hagenberger, the spokesperson, said his wife was back watching the dogs the way a bird hunter does. A full-grown male grizzly tore out of the brush at close range, three times the weight of an NFL running back, and equipped with devastating teeth and claws. Now they're just being dramatic, but I suppose it's true. The bear came running full speed directly at the stunned bird hunter. The bear came out and ran him over and knocked him down. Didn't bite him, but knocked him down. That's how he was injured, as it literally stepped on him and ran him over, then circled around and went back into the brush. By all indications, the bear was truly uninterested in conflict and was trying to get away. Um, The hunter, it goes on to say the hunter fired a couple of shots. They ended up having to go and euthanize the bear because they were worried that the bear was injured after the hunter took the shots. Gentlemen. Oh, the, the bear is 677 pounds, obviously. That's how they verified it. A monster, monster bear. Big bear. Big bear. Big bear. So it, it's worth bringing up this story tonight because this is the reality that dangerous things can happen out in the field. Have you, either of you, ever encountered anything that you felt scared, danger, you were close call, or a story that comes to mind where you're just like, I'm glad I made it out of that alive? Well, I remember making fun of Ron one time when he missed. That was close. <laughs> but actually, we were on Kodiak Island doing a Sitka blacktail hunt years back. How long ago was that? Oh, uh, 12, 13 years ago, something like that. But they had warned us about the alder and said, if the alder is moving, get below it. Because you'll buy yourself a couple of seconds because when those brown bears, as they call them, which are the big, big brothers of grizzlies, yeah. when they come at you, there's so much inertia going down the side of the mountains. It takes them a little bit to figure out what's going on, so it buys you a couple of seconds to react. The key there is seconds. Unnerving for a kid from Minnesota, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen bear charging videos out there. And you just, it's not ever something you can really fully be prepared for. But the key there when you said seconds is the reality, if you're in that situation, that's why if you're in bear country, you never carry bear spray on your back, you know, in your pouch. It's on your belt loop. I, I remember when we were in Alaska a few weeks back, I continuously, when we were approaching thick spots, would check to make sure it was at close range. The, the guys that carry uh, handguns, they have them strapped right in front on the outside in case they ever need to, to um, use them. And after they showed me a video of a friend of theirs that was charged a couple weeks before we got there. And after watching it, it changed my entire perspective because I knew that 
in order to be able to save myself, I have one 1,000, two 1,000, yeah. three 1,000 at, at the, the most. most. Yeah. At the most. So, you know, this, there's, there's a link inside of this story here that talks about what do you do if a bear charges, if you have a bear encounter like that? And I made just a couple of notes, but Scott, being a Montana, Montanian, Montananite, what do you call yourself out there? <laughs> Tenderfoot. Yeah, I was just hunting in Montana, and when we went up the mountain, my wife, my wife was with me, and we had that discussion, should we carry our bear spray? And I thought, ah, I, I have a gun. I should be okay. But, you know, so did this guy. And, yeah. and, and, and I think the smart thing is you carry your bear spray because they do say that bear spray is more effective than a gun, too. Yeah. Oftentimes when you're being charged, um, if you discharge your weapon, you generally miss because you have a 700-pound animal coming down Could on you. potentially be, and yes. The, and the spray goes down and spreads out. So they, they run into it. Um, and it's, it's interesting, I found, because we talked about it, and I read that, because that was the discussion we just had two weeks ago, and I did not carry my bear spray. Um, and how far were you from Great Falls, this area? We're down um, kind of by Red Lodge, which, okay. which is the north side of Yellowstone. So there's grizzly bears around. I want to yeah. finish reading this article here, because it's interesting. It says, Hagenbruger noted that across both sides of the Montana Continental Divide. The huckleberry crop was a failure this year. The loss of this important food source for bears has driven them into greater conflict with human food sources, obviously humans as well. And, and a lot of people in Montana, you know, even on the eastern side, there, you know, there's a, there is a risk. You don't think about it, right. but there's a risk. Well, in, in where I was is not necessarily eastern. It's central, south central. Yep. But that is true there, too, that the berry crop was lower and later than usual. Um, and we had a small black bear hanging around our place. I think I showed you the video. Yeah. And he was not afraid, really, of anything other than the dog. And the bear that, was that, afraid of the dog. He was afraid of the dog. He was small. But, he, you know, the dog went away. He went in and got in our four-wheeler and grabbed our garbage and took it right out. Um, but the, the other thing they say with bird hunters, particularly flushers, is... Your flusher's out in front of you. laughing back there. Is out in front of you <laughs> and, you know, thinking it's hot. And it goes, and, not, and then it turns and comes back with that bear chase, you know. Like, at least this guy could see his dogs on point and then What, a, what were, a flush. I know. What I know. a wild experience. But I think, you know, like, here are, th here are a few bullet points that the article pointed out. Most bear attacks are due to the bear feeling threatened. Or surprise. In this case, it was surprise. Yep. You know, and so it ran him over, didn't hurt him. Obviously, it didn't end well for the bear. Thank goodness it didn't end poorly for this hunter. Obviously, it could have been dramatically worse outcome there. I'm certain he's never going to forget that. But here's a couple things to do. And we actually did this when we were in grizzly country in Alaska. Talk loudly so that bears can hear you coming. That way, you don't surprise them. The two guys, Evan... And Eric that we were hunting with, they talk even if it's themselves with their dog. He's like, I'm constantly talking to my dog the whole time I'm out there because I don't want to surprise any of the bears up there. The other thing, make, your, yeah, make yourself loud and large, large if a bear postures in front of you. So if the bear huffs at you, you huff back. You yell. You, uh, you actually, it says, encourages you to move towards the bear slowly in being as large in, as, you as, can. as large as you can. The, 
the worst thing you can do is turn and run. You know why? Because <laughs> then you're a prey. <laughs> you're yeah. prey. It you're triggers, prey. It yeah, triggers their prey, prey predatory drive. instinct, yeah. which is crazy. And you're never going to outrun that bear. You will never outrun that bear. Uh, you know the best thing about that, that a friend of ours, Rob Burrell, will never get attacked by a bear because I've been with him and his dog, and that's all he does is talk to Moxie, Moxie, here. Um, <laughs> carry bear spray on your belt, not in your backpack. Obviously, it's worthless in your backpack. Make sure this is, a, this is just a good piece of advice, no matter what kind of habit or country you're in. If in even if it's not bear country, make sure you let someone know where you're going right. and when you'll be back. If you're leaving cell service area, carry a satellite phone. When we were in Alaska, we carried two in-reaches because one of the hunters had been on a hunt and the in-reach did not connect when they left and therefore was just a worthless piece of uh, weight in their bag when they carried it. So he always goes in with two now. That way, if something should ever happen, an emergency comes up, he's got a way out. Oh, got a way to communicate with somebody. What I would add to that is if you are in an area where they are hunting big game and there might be gut piles or things yep. like that, um, bears are going to be on that. And, and so I would hunt in other places, to be honest with you, or do what you're saying, be extremely loud. But that, they say that's one of another way of... of uh, Surprising a bear, protecting a kill, so to yeah. speak. Sure. Um, and I think the likelihood of that, though, knowing a lot well, of times saw, you find I saw one on the mountain when I was hunting. It was it was about a, a mile a grizzly away. or no, a gut pile okay. that I didn't know was there, and I'm hunting along. That's what like, I mean. You yeah. don't know till you know. Yeah. Well, and then I should have been late. smart. I should have been smarter, actually. I mean, I knew that people were up there hunting. So knowing what you know now, you wouldn't have gone. I just go to a different area. I could go to an area that. How do you know somebody isn't going to be in the other area? Because I know what they're hunting, <laughs> and they don't live there. Well, I think this is a, a good topic to cover for a lot of people heading into remote areas. I was up in northern Minnesota two weeks ago, and we came out of this thick, this thick woods. Awesome aspen cover, so many grouse and woodcock in it. But we get out, and we're on this trail, and all of a sudden I look up, bear walks out. Fortunately, this bear was about 100 yards away, maybe, maybe 80 yards. Daisy's staring at it. I go, no, girl, <laughs> no. Just let it walk away, and we just gave it space to get further away. But I've had close encounters. Last year, about this time, I was up in northwest Minnesota hunting, and we came over a deer kill. A moose, oh. a, pack of mo a pack of wolves killed a, a deer, and we didn't know about it. The way we approached it, neither Daisy, my dog, could smell the wolves or the wolves couldn't smell us coming. And we were within about 25 yards of the pack oh, when wow. we jumped them because the grass was really tall. And actually, the only reason we got so close to them is because we were sneaking up quietly. My buddy was sneaking up really quietly because there were a bunch of ducks on the turn of this, this <laughs> small ravine in the property that we were hunting. And he's like, we had steel shot. He's like, I'm going to take a duck. Otherwise, we would have been hunting normally and probably would have spooked them off. But you, you, you don't realize a lot of times how close you are well, to how danger. Many, how many times have you guys in the Midwest almost been run over by a deer? I mean, I, I saw Ron almost get creamed by a deer. Now, it's not 600 pounds. It's still going 30 miles an hour, and it's a 150, 180-pound yeah. deer. In North Dakota, maybe 15 years ago, I was in a cattail slough, and we were pushing through it. 
and there was no dog in front of me, but there was a buck, and it was maybe a 10-point buck. It was a really nice deer, and it held so tight that I, I, when it got up in front of me, I could feel the, the, the grass. Wind, yeah. The grass moved back. I didn't step on the deer, but I was within a foot of stepping on it when it finally got up, and the rack comes up out of the grass, and it was impressive, but also, I mean, if it didn't go the way it went, we might not be having this story right now. Right, right. Yeah. So, do you have any stories of, I'm not, this is a near-death experience this hunter had. I'm not asking if you've had a near-death experience, but are there any stories besides Ron's terrible misspill, or Scott, that you can recall? Just, just what I just described, I, I literally watched a deer miss Ron by inches, running full speed. And, I, I, and this was six, seven years ago, when we used to go out by uh, Miller, South Dakota, Bill, and... Um, I, I, you know, I don't know what would have happened to him. He wouldn't have been dead, but he would have been injured, you know, like this guy. This guy was injured, and, and I think that's the major thing. No, no rattlesnakes, though, yeah. in, in my stories. Yeah. Uh, I can remember we took a summer scout trip every year. We would bike from Duluth up to Tuscarora on the Gunflint. Trailer would meet us, take our bikes, drop canoes. They'd pick us up in Neely. And growing up, there was a bar you tried to set when you were traveling. And it was carrying a pack on the front, a pack on the back, and a canoe. So we were on a portage, I don't remember where, somewhere between Pescarora and Snowbank. And I decided to do that. And I was the last guy in the line. I was probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years old at the time. And so I lumbered off with my gear, and it was a long... I remember the portage was over 100 rods. It was substantial. And I was there, and all of a sudden, the black bear came out of the alder. Big boy? Well, at that time, yeah, I thought it was a monster, right? I thought it was (laughs) Godzilla. (laughs) But you're standing there. You're not mobile, because you've got, you know, 250 pounds. The trail is this tight. There's nothing to do, so you just stand there. And I can just remember thinking, where the hell did everyone go? And I stood there and was scared, and finally that thing lumbered off into the alder. But I couldn't move because I was so fearful of walking forward to it, and I was waiting there just licking its chops, right? Mm-hmm. Did you start yelling? I don't remember that part. I don't think so. You know, I was a pretty young guy at that point. Eventually, they came back and everything was fine, but, but that changes you. At that age, that set up every relationship <laughs> I've ever had with a bear since. Yeah. How about you, Travis? Have you had a situation? Um, I don't think I've had any... Other than the rattlesnake? Well, well. rattlesnake, yes. A couple of times I've encountered rattlesnakes, and I hate them. <laughs> I don't like them. Um, i trying to think. Wolves, I've encountered wolves many times in the Northwoods. None that I ever felt threatened. Um, I think I came across one time, and I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast or not, but it was about four, maybe five years ago. I went to this state property up in northern Minnesota, way up in the Northwoods, and it's, it's very remote up there. And my buddy and I, we, we were on this gravel road, and I said, all right, I'm going to head to the north. He's like, I'll take this to the south. And both of us just love to go on property we've never been and just explore well 
all of a sudden I'm walking, I'm about three quarters of a mile, maybe a mile off the road into this forest, and all of a sudden I just come across the scene. It was just kind of gruesome. I'm sorry for some people that are eating right now, but it was gruesome because this pack had killed a deer, and it was this like intense smell, but I, they didn't know I was coming. I didn't know they were there, and I came up on them, and everything flushed. The birds flushed up above, and I just stood there for a second. I'm like, it was so intense. And just like the smells, the sight, I mean, it was, they were vicious. You could tell it was a terrible scene that went down there. And I just kind of stood there and I thought the power behind that, you know. And it wasn't until I got out when I told people the story that I was, you know, probably within 20 yards of these, this pack that people were like, weren't you scared? And I thought, no, I've got a gun. I never was, I never was scared the whole right. time there. And they go, yeah, but how many do you think there were? I never thought about that. I'm guessing it was a half dozen, maybe more. I don't know. But never in my mind did I ever feel concerned about it. I guess I just, I don't know. It's just the way that I've always felt in the woods. And, you know, I've had a lot of encounters with them. I've lip squeaked wolves in while hunting for deer and, you know, called them in out of curiosity and things because I think they're a cool animal. Yeah, they are. Um, I've never had an encounter with dogs. Um, I do have a bell on my dog when we're in the woods, and I think that kind of helps, too. Also, just, is there anything better than the sound of a bell on your dog stopping in front of you in the woods and walking up on it? Especially because I've had it happen, like, maybe 200 times in the last two weeks, and it's just been amazing. Um, I don't know that I've had any other near death other than the other, you know, stories I've told about airplanes doing 360s, rattlesnakes. I mean, some cool things to live through, I guess. (laughs) Being in these parts, moose are a bigger yeah. danger than the bears are. Well, we're going to get into your story, Bill, because you just returned from the forest in Maine. But, Scott, will you come up? I, you've got a story to tell. You've got a question. You told me before. Yes, come on up. Hunting season is here, and North Dakota is one of my favorite places to spend a fall day. That's because North Dakota is a bird hunting paradise. You can hunt both waterfowl and upland birds all in the same day, and North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting. This year, North Dakota has a population estimate of 3.4 million breeding ducks, which is 38% above the long-term average. And their prairie pothole region is smack dab in the middle of the central flyway. Their spring water index also came way up, over 600% from last year's drought. The habitat on the landscape looks great, and bird reports are strong throughout the state. With a little scouting, you just might find yourself in a field surrounded by wild flushing pheasants, sharp-tailed grouse, and Hungarian partridge. Plan a legendary bird hunt this fall in North Dakota at legendarynd.com. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. 
If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. So Scott Kinane is here with a question, and if you um, go back about two years, Scott was on this podcast and shared a very... First of all, you wrote me a letter, and that inspired me to reach back to you and ask if you would come on the show and tell your story, because you've gotten into the role of being a mentor to a lot of young hunters, because you didn't have one growing up. And it's, it was a, it's still one of my favorite uh, podcasts. If you go back, I don't know, Brandon, do you even know what number that might be? Maybe the first 15, 20. It yeah. was. Yeah. It was. I just listened to it the other day. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> I did. <laughs> ah. Do you remember the number? 12. Episode number 12. Good. And what are we on today? Let me take a quick peek here. 100 and, oh, 137. There we go. I thought it was 173, Brandon. It feels like 173. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Scott. Yes. Um, what is your question? So I, I want to say first, I sat down with a young man right over here who's do, following the same steps. He's mentoring, he's taking new people out hunting and stuff like that. So Great. Thank you. Very cool. shout yeah, out. Good job. It was, it was awesome to hear that. He just walked up and said, hey, you, you know, are you here? And we started talking and he's very involved with helping other people. Look familiar, so, by the way. So yeah. it isn't so much a question as a request. Okay. I was trained, I have a young, in fact, just like Scott's Millie, you hunted with Briar yep. out in South Dakota, young. I was with a trainer and she was retrieving. And I'm like, oh, go, way to go, way to go. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm really excited, you know, this is awesome. And he's like, don't do that. Don't do that. And so I was watching an episode of The Flush with your close personal friend, Tyler. Yes. And he's got a dog, I think it was Rusty. Mm-hmm. And Rusty won't return anything to him unless he talks baby talk. Tyler, Watch baby it. talk. He talks baby talk to all of his dogs. It on is everyone. crazy. You're such a good boy. You're such I, a good boy. Uh, yeah. Well, Rusty picks it up. He runs over, he picks it up, <laughs> and he starts prancing around. <laughs> and he walks right past Tyler until Tyler goes, Oh, what a good puppy. Yes. And then Rusty will right turn right. around and come back to him. And my trainer is like, mm, Don't do that. When he tell him to sit, you go, Good, good girl. You know? Re- anytime they, Good. You know, don't talk baby talk. They don't know what you're doing. But some people will say inflection, <laughs> inflection in your voice. I've heard dog trainers say that. It's the inflection that they, all of a sudden their ears perk up and they know they're doing a good. Because if you go, bad dog, they instantly, mm, ears drop down. They know. 
I was talking last week at, at Grouse Camp. Bob St. Pierre said that he thinks, I think he, there was somebody that told him that dogs can understand, I think it was 400 different words. 400. So they know a lot more. You know, when you drop an F-bomb. I was just going to say, can you, can you cuss at your dog in baby talk? I've heard Scott do that. Yeah. yeah probably cuss for sure. Yes. Well, what is the more, what, you said it was more of a request than a it question. Is. It okay. is. So I'm going to go down the table here, right? I've watched every episode of The Flush. Thank you. I've, I've been hunting wow. with Scott. I just got done listening to your winter camping. Ah, yes. Great episode. Knuckle oh, smack. That was awesome. I, I, I might go there. Just we'll see you there next it, weekend. It was, it was crazy. So I want you, my request is, do your best baby talk. <laughs> Scott, I, I got to tell you, we were out there for f- four days, three days hunting. I didn't, I saw Millie do some really nice stuff for a young pup. I watched her first hunt. I didn't hear any baby talk. So I'm like, I'm not sure. And Disappointing, I huh? I didn't know about you. I'm like, e- Bill, you didn't do any bait until I heard you today, and you got so excited at one point of that podcast, and you were talking oh. about all the all the you Bill were talks bringing, baby talk when he winter did. camp. He, <laughs> He, he, the pile, he, he's bringing a big pile of Look at that big old beard on his face. He can't to, baby talk. To trade or Come give on, away. Chris he, Kringle gets all soft when I he goes right? camping. Am I right? <laughs> so oh, sure. my request is Daisy just did the most awesome retrieve Oh, you're such a good seen. girl, Daisy. Come uh, here, Daisy. <laughs> that's <Yes>. it. <laughs> There it is. There you have it. Uh, and if you come home with me, you'll probably hear it 20, 30 times. You don't have to hunt. Just show up to our office yes. <laughs> all day long. There are nine dogs. You hear, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. Unbelievable. Uh, it is, it is right. chaos in the office it sometimes. All right, Scott, Scott. How's, your, how's your hunting season going so far? What's the highlight? Highlight is I moved to Bemidji in June. Wow. Northern Minnesota, north central Minnesota. For somebody outside. My Onyx Maps, I don't have anything that's more than 20 minutes from me. Mm-hmm. And the grouse are absolutely crazy. In Minnesota, there's a new layer added to Onyx. It's like cheat code for rough grouse. It's don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. It's no. forest disturbance. Oh. And it tells you the year class. And if you are looking for rough grouse, sorry, Scott, oh. I, I have to say it. It's unbelievable how it helps you just get there right away. You can still find them in other covers. In fact, when I was hunting them in northern Minnesota a couple weeks ago, we found them in covers that didn't look like your typical rough grouse. But typically, aspens in the 5 to 12-year range are really what you want to find. And you can find out when those forests that were logged. So it's cheat code for rough grouse. It anyway, is. go ahead. Edges. 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 Yes. It is. It, those, that forest disturbance. Mm-hmm. Ben, way to go. Big shout out. That was yeah, Ben awesome. again. Yes, no it doubt. It was. I mean, I, the timber cuts were just, it's kind of like, there can't be that few timber cuts. Uh-huh. They put that in there, and it was a game changer. I, I hunted with a couple guys that, that were like, wow, we can go, you know, over here. I've seen them in the past. I'm like, guys, just don't waste your time. Don't, you're wasting time. <laughs> I know you're going to get to this, Bill, but you can, you can stay in prime cover so easy today. It's like never before and 
it really, really can be the difference in walking miles without seeing much, or like I've been doing this year, I've been, you know, fortunate the places I've been, there's been good rough grouse and woodcock numbers, and there's times where Daisy's not going 200 feet between points, sometimes less than that even. I mean, there's just been that many birds and you find the right cover. So just being able to, uh, you know, see that before you spend a lot of time and energy to get there is a major, major help. Where, what they do in other states, um, in, like Wisconsin, Bill, you, you know, you've hunted up in Douglas County before, and that's an area that is managed for rough grouse. Right. You know, and they, on Onyx, they call, they have these areas that are highlighted called grouse cover. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. it, instead of saying a year class, they have it marked out saying this is a prime habitat piece. It makes a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Scott, yeah. how's Briar doing? Briar is great. She is absolutely loving being up there. It's, uh, I, I put her GPS on her. We have a big property now, and I put her GPS on her because I just let her out in the morning, and then she comes up to the back door when she gets hungry or tired. She put on 13.7 miles before noon. That's great. <laughs> it That's was. great. So she having fun hunting the grouse, too? She is. She's starting, she's so fast, a lot like Daisy, I imagine, mm -hmm. that she had a tendency to overrun her nose. But she watched her brother, Huckleberry, stop, 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 birds get up, shoot, Huck's bringing back something. Dad's talking baby talk. Oh, I was going to say, you owe us. All yeah. being fair, you're at the table. <laughs> Scott, you heard us talk about the bear attack. Have you ever had a close call in the woods well, or in the Actually, field? what I was going to ask maybe, do you worry about letting the dogs out with wolves in, up, up at your place? Oh, that is... That, that, so last week, we have a mile on the Mississippi, and... We go out and walk that area, and we were going out to the duck blind, and the dogs just stopped. The hair stood up. They backed up behind Dad, wow. and I was like, uh-oh. Here we go. We have bears out there. Yep. We've run across. We've got two cinnamon bears, which are absolutely gorgeous. You see them during the day? Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't put your bird feeders up. Yeah, right. <laughs> I learned that, like, <laughs> we They're in your yard. to be in it, yeah. They just come and knock them over and eat them, and then you can't yeah. let your dogs out. And so, but I thought, ah, oh, that's bear. So I crept up, crept up, and there was, you know, the you know how to tell. Um, Did you just hear us give you the advice wolf, of not creeping up? Scat. You're supposed to be yeah, loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm really quiet. I'm going to tell you why too. But um, did you talk baby talk while you were I creeping? I did not. I did hey, not. I squeaked a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it was a wolf bed. We hear them almost every night okay. when you leave the windows open. But you know how to tell wolf scat. It's that real gray color. It's not Full of hair. dark. No, it's just gray. It's almost white. It looks like it's been there a long time. Right, right. But it's, it hasn't. It's pretty fresh. You stick your finger in it, and it's well, going it's, like... It's good that your dog's had that reaction, which is, must be reassuring to know that it wasn't the other way where they ran after right. them. I yep. sometimes wonder, you know, each dog with their own personalities, what they would do, because it's a canine versus canine there. 
You know, and they might say, well, I'm the dominant one. I'm going to go take care of this. And then they quickly realize what they're in for when they get there. It must just be the must smell of it. Like, it's, yeah. just a, it's just a strong smell. Like, that is a dominant dog. I don't want any part of it. Exactly. Yeah. And what it was is it was four beds. It was a trampled down area. It was clearly four beds, scat all over, and a deer spine sitting in the middle of it. Wow. Mm. And I was like, ooh. Been there. I, I, I've been there. I don't think we're going duck hunting tonight. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I've been there. To answer your question, it's a lot of cool. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's their world. We're just living in it. I almost got eaten by a grizzly bear in Alaska within 15 yards. But the big one, when you talked about Ron, we were hunting in Iowa, pheasant hunting. And Buddy broke out, came back, was walking down the corn row, yep. and we were kind of walking this way. And I, you know, you can hear them running down the rows. And I'm like, oh, here they come, here they come. And I stepped over one row, and this buck was running <laughs> right at me. And he just lowered his head. He saw me, his eyes got big, and he lowered his head. And they he jump over one? No, he oh, hit me right you. in the shoulder. Oh, my. Knocked took you my over. vest off. And I still have a scar right here in oh, my shoulder. Wow. Hit me. See? Yeah. It, it's scary. Those deer. Don't hunt the corn. <laughs> That's it. It was. I think Ron almost got hit was in the corn. That too. happened to me two years ago. I was pushing corn for somebody. Same thing. But he just dodged over one on me. But <laughs> wow. All you, all you see is this, getting big in the headlights. What'd you do, Scott? I mean, obviously it ended the hunt, but did it go through your shoulder? Or? I just... It scratched it, okay. you know. I mean, it wasn't the scars didn't. there, but it Pierce. didn't, you know. You tough it up when you're 22 years old, and you spit on it and rub sure. some dirt, and you Game move on. on. Yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. get any birds that day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Iowa. <laughs> no, I won't tell you where to go. Go to the northwest corner. Yeah, that's what yeah, everybody that's, says. Yeah, go to the northwest corner. Although, if you look at the numbers this year, if you go back two episodes and listen to my conversation with Jared Wicklin. Yeah, don't do that. Do it. No, yeah. don't do that. The center, <laughs> north central part no, of no, Iowa is going to be banner this year, Scott's No birds there. No birds there. the hat, Scott. There's no grouse there either. Have your friend come up and, and ask uh, a question or give an update on his story, too, if, if he's comfortable with it. We're going to continue because, Scott, thank you so much yeah, for sharing thanks. all of that. It was great to meet all you guys. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for all your support it. all the time. Thanks I didn't get to hear Scott. all the baby talk, but... All you got to do you is watch listen every to Bill's the Minnesota is... Bound Camping, Winter Camping, and yeah. you'll hear him talk baby talk. Uh, yeah, he does get excited about that. <laughs> it does sound cool. The colder, it is, Thank you. the colder it is, the more Bill Shirk likes it out there. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Scott. Yeah, whatever you'd like. Whatever you'd like. Hey, thank you. Um, Bill, welcome home. Thank Where you. Where were you? Well, I was on a couple of United and Delta flights, which is why I'm coughing a little bit tonight. Sit a little farther away, please. Yeah. I can't. Scott, coming only so long. <laughs> we, got, we got hunting season coming here. Uh, but we just got home from the northern part of Maine, what they call the North Maine Woods. And if you have never been out there, oh my goodness. Did it live up to their reputation? It was so much more grand than we had even pictured. Three and a half million acres Public? Of private logging that is open to public hunting. Okay. And you kind of get lost in what is three million, what does three and a half million acres mean? We were at one point in those woods where 
Mr. Franklin looked at us and said, where do you want to go? We can go 80 miles this way. We can go 80 miles that way. We can go 15 miles that way, but we'll get stopped because we'll run into a bunch of Canadians. It, it just is never-ending, hmm. and it's unbelievable. It's just gravel roads. The road's in. You have to check in. There are checkpoints. Is there anybody monitoring them? Yes, Ruth monitors, and <laughs> Ruth will be paying attention when you come and go. You have to fill out a permit. It's like... Is it like when you go into Canada where you got to tell them your plans of how long you're going to be there when you're coming back out? Same sort of deal. I think it was 16 bucks a day a guy, plus, plus they get you another 15 a night per guy if you're staying overnight. Um, but just an unbelievable resource and it looks a lot like northern minnesota just with a little more topography how about the birds tell us about what you guys encountered out there i mean would you, you've hunted rough grouse and woodcock in a lot of different All places and place. i knew you were excited about this i was excited for you too because we we're both like this is something we both have had on our wish list for a while of places to visit so so, so people think of the northeast and they think of the famed camps um Libby camps and all these yeah. old Vintage school grouse and, camps. Yeah. They're there, but the real camps are just the small spots in the woods. So we went to see a moose guide, a guy by the name of Robert Franklin, um, who is a firefighter down in Portland. And the first week of October, the state of Maine shuts down the moose hunt because they are in the middle of the rut. They say it's too easy to take the week off. So they turn their camp, which is... Their moose camp. Like six or eight wall tents, you know, 67 miles into the North Main Woods. That becomes their bird camp. And all their bird hunting buddies, all the firefighters come from the fire hall, and they cook, they camp, and they hunt. And there are dogs everywhere. <laughs> what kind of dogs? Everywhere. A lot of short hairs. There are a couple of labs. Um... Friends of theirs, um, Patty and Blaine, you know, they're breeders. They're big into the NAVDA world, so they're there. Um, but it's just, I think what I liked about it more than anything is they were very casual. So many times when you go to hunt with people, they're literally on point by the minute. We're going to do it this way. We're going to... And this was like, we'll get up. We'll have some breakfast. When we decide it's time to go, we'll go hunt for a while. If we don't find any birds, guess what? We'll try another spot. And they walk a lot of trails there, which we don't do as much of, right? Mm -hmm. You have to get to the covers. But there, there are so many birds that you can walk the trails. And, and we thought it was curious because if their dogs are 25 yards off the trail, they feel like they're getting out on them. That's really? not normal for us, right? Yeah. But the birds were there. My dog doesn't start hunting until she's 40 yards away from me. I don't know what it is, but she, when I release her, she goes to 40 yards, and then she starts hunting. Like, I'm yep. trying to bring her in. Yep. Like, you don't have to go that far, girl. So, so we found lots of grouse, some woodcock. I was surprised because we had not had frost. Excuse me. But one afternoon, they said, we're going to go to the Christmas tree farm. And I knew what they were talking about. We had passed, I don't know, 10 miles from camp on the gravel road, a cut, and there were pines growing that were 
probably eight to 10 feet high. And they had started hunting when those trees were four feet high. So it's just one of their nostalgic kind of places. They had come out of the woods across the way. A dog had gone on point in the trees. They thought the dog was screwing around. Woodcock giggles out of there. They keep hunting, and it's woodcock. It's woodcock. It's woodcock. It's woodcock. Picture a in the Christmas trees. Picture a Christmas tree farm in Minnesota. Yeah. Now place that 80 miles out in the woods on a (laughs) sunny, hot, dry hillside. Partridge in a Christmas tree. (laughs) What? Sing it, Scott. Sing it. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) And we flushed dozens. Of woodcock, not a single grouse, but woodcock after woodcock after woodcock out in the of Christmas these. trees of all places. So bizarre, weird. In fact, well, today I was looking at the drone video. Aaron Ochtenberg was shooting with the drone, and you can watch us walking. You can see the dogs go on point. You can see all the woodcock cutting out of the trees. I have never experienced anything like it. And how many went down? Guess you'll have to tune oh, in to the flush hosted by Bill Scott. I just wow. got my answer. Wow. Boom. A lot of misses. Good Hi- thing you remember what my What was shows. the highlight there? I mean, well, maybe the highlight. I mean, there also, were so many highlights. Yeah. So last, again, they tend to sleep in a little bit because they're trying to recoup from moose hunting, which mm-hmm. moose hunting out there, you're up at like 3.30 in the morning. So it was kind of their chance to get some but the last one I said, I want to be up because you can hunt early. We got up. We went to an area that they call Four Corners. And it was grouse after grouse after grouse after grouse after grouse after grouse after grouse. You know, a little bit Sweet. of frost and completely calm. We had blue skies. We had zero wind the entire trip. So the forest... Behind us here, a couple miles to the north, we'll say, is just raining leaves right now. I mean, I got out of it last week in Wisconsin. We were in northwest Wisconsin. And each day, the leaves just were dropping and dropping. And then the the visibility, it's everything. Right now is the time. I know pheasant season's opening right now in two days, but, like, if you want to go grouse hunting, this is the time to be up there. Was it the same for you guys Very up there. similar. Okay. Very similar. You know, the story I really want to tell you is it is a very, very remote area. Mm-hmm. And everyone had said, don't you dare show up unless you have 10-ply tires on your truck. Yeah, I remember you talking about that before so, in the last show. So the Presque Isle Airport, which we flew into, is roughly the size of a 12-by-14 conference room. So the choice of rentals is not real good. So we got the... You didn't have 10-ply tires, I guess. The biggest thing they had, which was this tiny little Kia. Did you say a Prius? (laughs) (laughs) And we wander off into the North Main Woods, and we're passing dualies and logging trucks and pickups, and, you know, they're all looking at us like, (laughs) know where they're from. (laughs) I had purchased a tire kit, a patch kit. I had purchased the cans that you spray in. Yeah. Did you have to use it? Last morning, there's, there's an amazing thing in the Northwoods. The Canadians decided they didn't like a bunch of their old locomotives. So way back in the day, they ran a line down into Maine and just kind of shot all the locomotives one direction and dumped them in the North Maine woods. 
So we were driving to find those locomotives. This is how expansive the North Woods is. It's about a three-hour drive from where our camp was right in the middle of these woods to try and get to the locomotives. It's all maps. GPS stuff is very difficult out there. Sat phone, I couldn't even get with my sat transponder a signal out. I mean, hmm. remote stuff. And we're on this two-ret road, which on the Delorme map, the state you know, booklet, looks like a super highway. And all of a sudden, that little tire logo, that little bing, comes up on the dash. And I click, and I see 36. I see 35. I see 34. Aaron's sitting over here realizing how remote and kind of dire this is. So we pull over. We we patched the thing. There was a rock, you know, just this spike of a rock that I pulled out, probably a half inch wide. Plugged the tire, used the tire kit, got three or four plugs in it, used those cans of Midas spray, and it inflates the tire to like 20 pounds. That's as much as you get out of it. So we put the donut on the car. So now we're limping around in these wicked woods on this little stupid... Nerf tire doing six miles an hour. Oh. And we knew there was a ranger station. And so we got back to, I think it's called Clayton Lake. We crept around in the woods, found the ranger station, of course. The, uh, the uh, game warden was out there. So I said, well, Aaron, we're going to get checked today. He helped us, you know, he had a compressor, so we got the main tire, the patch worked, we got the main tire backed on. I said, so you're hunting, you got a license on you? And, you know, you always have that hot flash. Is like, it there? Like, Is it there? Yeah. I checked, I double-checked, I triple-checked, I talked to this guy at the guest, do I have the right license? He's like, oh, great, you got your, yep, hip stuff, good, you're good to go. And then we forgot about the trains and just got out of the woods. Never saw the trains. Looks like you're going back, huh? No, no chance to get there. I'm not going without my truck, I can tell you that much. So was it an experience you'd go back for? I mean, was 100%. It, what you, it was what you thought it was going to be? 100%. You know, so much of what we do with this show is find spots where anyone can go to hunt, right? It is all about public land and opportunities for the public to hunt. This is as good a spot as I have ever seen. So for somebody out there listening, how does it compare to here? And for somebody here listening, how do we compare to them out there in the east? Well, we're better looking. Well, obviously, but I'm talking about the forest and the grouse and the birds. They're two different things, right? You can have great hunts in Minnesota. You can have great hunts in Wisconsin. But if you want to go someplace and discover a new cover, you have to go to Maine. Coming out to lobster roll specials, yeah. you know, in town, everyone talks real funny. Just go down to the corner. We're going to Four Corners. <laughs> uh, Do they talk baby people. talk there? <laughs> here's, here's what was amazing about the woods, too. Everyone says hello. When you're hunting or just when you, you pass by? a vehicle, you know, every, whatever, 15 miles on the gravel, they would stop. They would check on you. Mm. We actually had a Jeep stop. The guy kind of laughed. He couldn't believe that we were out on this road. And he was a guy out hunting. And 
he had a Jeep and he had brand new tires because he had been out and blown them all up, so he wasn't coming back. But Are the roads really worse than ours? It's just the kind of gravel they use and how they grade it. It just makes the rock chip and it's very... Little daggers all over. Very sharp. But, hmm. but people were so friendly. That, that amazed me. Everyone says hello there. I met the most unfriendly person I've maybe ever met in the great outdoors the other day <laughs> on Lake Minnetonka. It was a story that I don't even want to repeat. But... I thought you were going to say at the office. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Different. That's a whole different story. That, that's, that's why Ron's not here today. <laughs> no. um, I'm glad everybody was very pleasant. That is the way it should be. Yes. Uh, I'm glad you made it back. Great food. Yeah. Firefighters tend to eat quite well because it's a full-time gig at the firehouse, 24 on, 24 off, so they all know how to cook. Yeah. Um, and we saw something on this trip, and okay, give it away, but it is something you would never, ever, ever, ever expect to see in the grouse woods or a grouse camp, and we saw it, and for those that watch The Flush next season, they'll see it too. Amazing stuff. Wow, what a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Jeepers. Scott, what is it? Oh, how's Millie? Scott's wondering. <laughs> she, Millie's good. She just went into heat yesterday. So what timing? <laughs> yeah, great timing. Two days You're before the pheasant too? opener. So. <laughs> so now you've got a big question. Pheasant opener is here on Saturday, and your dog is. What are well, you gonna do? I'll either be hunting alone a lot, <laughs> or I'm hoping that uh, the male dogs that are in our party are neutered and won't show her a lot of interest. When my dog was in her wild, crazy stage the first year, she went into heat. During yeah. hunting season, and I took her out, and she flushed a flock of turkeys. <laughs> oh, boy. And she ran, and she ran, and she ran, she ran, until my GPS no longer got her signal. She was one point, it, it always cuts out at 1.29 miles, so that's where I lost her. She's 1.29 miles yeah. away. Yeah, and she was in heat, and I knew there were farms around, and I'm like, in 40 days, I'm going to have, I'm going to find out that this dog is, like, that's all I could think about, was what got into her and now what is she gonna be like she's already a mixed breed. i don't think i'll worry about that with millie yeah no she stays pretty good millie's too well behaved she's perfect though i'd say risk it but she scott to answer your question come on up come on to answer your question she's ready she's ready to go yeah as are you the onyx hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that i take into the field every day i use it on every hunt seriously every hunt their app tells me everything i need to know about the lands that i want to hunt and the lands that we can all legally hunt on the app also shows your location on planet earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries it tells you information about the type of property you're on like state land or federal lands or walk-in access properties it's ideal for scouting before the hunt and during a hunt to help put together patterns. The app also has helpful features that show you the kind of crops that are in fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. And there's a timber cut layer to help you find the right forest habitat for rough grouse. If you hunt in North Dakota, there's even a layer that lets you know if a property has been posted electronically. These are just a few of the many tools Onyx apps give you. And these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx Maps always help you to know where you stand. The flush. So fast, it hardly seems real. So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we changed the way upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive flight control FlexWad technology and a mix of copper-plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense, deadly shot strings through any choke. 
longer shots, more power, fewer missed birds. Only from Federal. Waltons.com has everything, and I mean everything, for your everyday cooking and wild game processing needs. Plus, they have experts on staff to help you learn how to use those products to get the best results. John Tremblay hosts their MeatGistics podcast, live streams and live chats, which are interactive learning tools for the meat processing community. If you have questions, John and his team have the answers, from sausage making to smoking, recipes to seasonings, and so much more. Walton's products ship the same day you order. They have over 5,000 items in stock from grinders, mixers, stuffers, slicers, smokers, vacuum sealers, woo, and a whole lot more. Order the same seasonings and supplies that professionals use from the best name in the wild game processing industry. Then sign up for their monthly giveaways. Walton's, they have everything but the meat. You say your name and ask a question. Uh, yeah, um, Richard Hansen. It's uh, good to be here. I was actually planning to come here to the last one, but... Unfortunately, we had a little sewer backup in my uh, oh, basement, oh, so dude. unfortunately, it was going to be my birthday. I was going to come here. Uh-huh. I was going to, you know, see you guys, and I ended up shoveling, you know. <laughs> Life happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, a day that's, in the office that's at right. Share Productions. Yeah. <laughs> we got that's, stalls. That's we got to clean. Ownership. Yeah. Um, no, uh, what I was really excited, I mean, I went to college out in New Hampshire and spent a lot of time in Maine, so it was really cool to hear about your trip. So uh, talk like you're from there. I can't. I spent four years out there getting made fun of because you know, people asked me if I was Canadian. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> um, and you know, answering questions from people in New Jersey, you want to know if I grew up in a log cabin. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but you know, one of the things I was wondering because that that's always been something. You know, in college, I didn't have a, a bird dog, so I'd you know walk walk trails and explore and stuff. But now that I do have a, a three-year-old GSP, that's kind of one of my um, bucket list things is to make it out to Maine. And I, you know, I was curious if a person was going to DIY it out there. I mean, is it something where you'd be better off um, arranging something with, an, with a, you know, accommodations, renting a, like a, a place or, I mean, is there, is camping an option? Camping is an option. What's, what's amazing about the woods is they have a whole series of campsites along the lakes. Now, the rule is, if you check in kind of like we did, you have to stay in one of those designated campsites. Robert Franklin, because he is a main guide, he has an annual lease. So they actually are allowed to set up their camp in the same spot every year for as long as they need to. So if you know somebody like that, great. But so many of these campsites are so remote. We pass quite a few of them. One of them, and I can tell you where it was, right by where we got the flat, it was called Squirrel Mountain. And that is kind of like Bird Central. And there's nobody around. I mean, there's nobody. We drove by that little campground in the middle of nowhere and there was nobody. But as long as you know how to identify your covers, you're good. And so many in that group, all they do is drive around and go, oh, this looks good, let's stop and hunt it, because you can hunt any of it. But if you can find those edges along those cuts, and especially if you know where there's a water source, then you're going to get into more of the woodcock. And it's, I would not hesitate to pack a trunk and go. I, you know, and, I mean, were you covering much elevation? I suppose probably not too bad. Very little. Very little. Really not much different than you would here. But there are, you know, what you call small mountains almost that just kind of pop out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, 
but the birds are everywhere. And, you know, the St. John's River is back in there, and there are all these watersheds. Um, if you know even a little bit of what you're looking for, you'll find birds. Sounds and like a cool journey to go on. Have you done yes. any other do-it-yourself kind of hunts like that? Well, I was... You know, I wasn't sure if you gave me the boot after one question, but <laughs> I was actually curious because you inspired me to take a trip to Southwest North Dakota, the, the Badlands. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So last uh, last fall, and you know, it would have been better if I could have gone in the middle, you know September around the opener, but you know, life kind of <laughs> dictates your schedule, and so I didn't get out there till the first week of October, and it was, I mean, it was an incredible trip. I mean, you know, there's so many, the landscape, there are so many places where you just pull over. Isn't that just, the most beautiful place oh, you've yeah. ever hunted? Yeah, and I, you know, it was just me and the dog, and I mean, in a tent, and it was for five days, and then I met That's my... That's great. And it was, it was, you know, it was challenging hunting, because there was so much hay and grazing that had gone on mm. that... And it was hot, so you'd hunt the morning and the afternoon. But yeah, I, mean, I would be curious to, you know, hear reports from people that are out there this year. Well, Bill what, was what out there like. for the opener, actually. But you, you, you did that hunt, mm -hmm. you know. And I yeah, remember, absolutely. I remember yeah. we talked last yeah, year, which yeah. is awesome. To and you made memories. Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. Would, yeah. So how does that rank in your hunting experiences, going on a journey like that all by yourself? Well. That was my first, <laughs> so you know it's it's probably my best. <laughs> you know, I don't have and much. I, I, well, yeah, I don't have you know I don't have much to compare it to. So, um, but you know, for me, what was really incredible was to spend five uninterrupted days just because you know, my dog was two years old at that point. Yes. Uh, it's her second season where it's really you know the first puppy season. It's you know play everything's fun. Yeah. Bird contacts. Now it's kind of right, we need you know we're getting down to brass tacks and steadiness and stuff. So. To have those five days of just working the dog on wild birds and one yeah, on one. I mean, oh, yeah. it was, you know, it was just incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's money in the bank. Did you see a lot of other other hunters, or were you mm. just alone? You, you know, I, I think I saw one other bird hunter, yeah. and then I, you know, I'd see trucks, but I think they were they were probably here. Yeah, or antelope. Hunting. Antelope, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I thought that you going out there hunting antelope might be kind of. So what's on your list now? Now that you've done that and you, you know, made it through, that that's I would like to do another kind of uh, camping-based trip for sharp tails. Um, you know, I mean, I just really like you know those big open. You know, I've got you know Shorter likes to run big. Um, you know, I my family we've got a cabin on, near Chisholm on the Iron Range, so I, I love to grouse and woodcock hunt. So you know, I mean, even an easy trip for me. I, I would love to just spend a week, you know, running Debbie on, there's on a, grouse. There's a couple guys over there behind you that were telling me that he limited out on grouse two days in a row last weekend, and he's not far from where you just sat. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's hard. I'm having to live vicariously through people I haven't gotten out really um, much at all this season. But, but yeah, we've, I've had fun. I think, you know, Scott mentioned I, I'm, uh, I, got, I should give a shout out. I'm uh, on the board of the metro minneapolis chapter of pheasants forever and cool we do a lot of really cool stuff um we've got a youth learn to hunt program and also youth learn to shoot program that we that did, well i shouldn't that the chapter has been doing for a long time and then um dave scherf our president asked me he said well you know would you be interested in putting together an adult learn to hunt program so we did we did that this fall and i, I put things together it was, it was how kinda, did it go it well it went great it was a little heartbreaking because um 
I put, you know, came up with the curriculum. I remember I met with Ken Yang to talk to him, you know, oh, get yeah, an idea, you know, people who have experience. And, and uh, you know, the hardest thing was, was kind of recruiting and marketing, you know, getting people to sign up, but we yep. did. We got, um, you know, a good small crew and, and um, our first weekend, I had everything set and literally a couple of days before, the sickest I've ever been. I made the whole pandemic oh, without no. getting COVID and I got pneumonia. Oh. And so I'm on the phone literally Thursday night with Dave and saying, you know, like, we're, you know we can't, we can't, can't you know, call us. But the, you know, the chapter, we had volunteers that rallied around. They were able to put the, second, the first week as a six, really big, good success. We did a second kind of like a planted bird hunt um, uh, last weekend. And, and then we're going to be doing a, a wild bird hunt down by Marshall uh, next weekend. with the So can people, anybody join you? Yeah, well, at this point, you know, I mean, people signed up. It's kind of, you know, we want to have consistency. So maybe next year? So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Next year, yeah. So I'll put the call out. You know, we're, we're definitely, we're going to get out there, you know, learned a lot, do it again next year and, you know, hit the ground running and hopefully get more people, get more buzz going. Love it. That's great. Awesome. Thanks for coming out today, too. It's it's good to hear your story. Thanks for coming out, too. You know, Pheasants Forever, who we're so tightly tied with, number one is Habitat, but I think people don't always realize a close second is the education component. Right? Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly oh, yeah. what you guys are doing. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I mean, it was, it was so cool to meet Scott because, you know, my experience wasn't quite similar to him, but. That's, I, that's Scott. Yeah. He's yeah. Talking about- <laughs> oh, he's talking about me, Bill. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I was, I'm kind of a. I mean, I grew up at, around hunters, but I'm kind of a self-taught individual. And so I, yeah. I can kind of, you know, understand what that, those barriers are like. So to, you know, um, be able to provide an experience for people to sort of hopefully not have to, you know, have the stumbling blocks. <laughs> when you're oh, trying yeah. To teach I mean, yourself. and what Ken Yang is doing, too. And, yeah. and you know, his yeah. journey is an anti-hunter, yeah. becoming yeah. a hunter. Now he's a mentor. I mean, just it's, it's cool to meet you yeah. and meet all these others that have had this cool journey that they've been on. Yeah. And it, yeah. everyone has their own. But uh, a lot of people don't get it without people like you or Scott investing some time. And you too, Scott. Thanks. Thanks yes, Scott. but that's Scott. <laughs> to, to invest in somebody else, even if it's just one person, that person right. can go on and you're, you're touching more than just one person. So even if you have a small, intimate group, that can be great. That yeah. can be very, yeah, yeah, yeah. very helpful for you know, a big picture movement so well, awesome well, thank well you. thanks for coming up yeah, yeah. yeah. we appreciate it hopefully your next main experience is better than bill's yeah. flat tire in a kia <laughs> yes scott franzen this guy yes as an opener what gets you what are you excited about you've been you have a lot of pep in your step um it's here uh, it's here well I, I i've been trying to stop shaking well, i can't I'm all worked up. I'm all tell. excited. He's all birdie. Look at him. I don't know that I've been this excited ever for no, a pheasant No, I have not opera. gotten out of your office in less than 30 minutes. I know. Every time I've stopped in there for the last month. Well, I think it kind of started, I had a couple of high school buddies that hoodwinked me into being partners with them uh, in a hunting property. Not property. One of them's a, over a there. Lot. Yeah. A couple, they're both over there. Okay. Yeah, so they, hoodwink. They, hoodwink. Well, they needed a brains for the outfit, so they, uh, they texted me and... And I held them at arm's length for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I, they were struggling. And You and said no to this for a while, for actually. For a while, I did, yeah. yeah. And it, well, because it wasn't the right time for me. And, and uh, I think for them, they were exploring some other things. And, and it just kind of came together, believe it or not, over a beer. And, um, and, and I'll be in my, at first, I wasn't 
that I shouldn't say I wasn't excited, I was excited, but uh, you know, my, uh, we were going on this big family trip and my mom had recently died and we had all these things, life things going on that it was hard to get energized. And then we've been spending a lot of time out there doing small things and each time it was like more and more exciting, more and more exciting. And then last week, Greg, AKA Howie and I went out, uh, the two of us just to kind of, we really didn't have anything much to do. We just wanted to go out and I wanted to scout. So we scouted for an hour and um, went to three or four public places and one private piece of land that a friend owns. And we saw pheasants in every place we went. And it, it, it just got the juices going. Yeah. And, and Millie, and you know, he was talking about this, Millie's a two-year-old dog and I'm excited to see what steps she makes this year. You know, to go from, yeah. she, she hunted really well for a puppy last year. Um, but now it's those touch points like you were talking about. And to see the evolution and the processing of what's going on in front of her or in her nose and her processing that exponentially faster. And, and I'm excited to see that jump. I've taught her, I think, all I, I, I'm capable of teaching. I'm sure better trainers can teach her more. Yeah, don't but, sell yourself but short. now it's experiences. <laughs> it's experiences. And... I, I have, and the other thing I would say too is I have a lot of fun hunts planned this year, you know, from opening day to some, uh, you know, I, I hunted in Montana in a place I'd never hunted before and had contacts and that was fun. And then going to North Dakota and then believe it or not, we can talk about it here. The four of us are going to hunt together, which we've never done. And I'm really excited about yeah, that. Looking forward to that too. Uh, at least for a day, I'll Duck. be excited about Duck. it. <laughs> They're all your horror stories. Nice I'm not shot, sure I want to do this. But Just bring an in. extra tire, Bill, wherever you But it's a chance for us to, we're always working. Everyone's yeah. always busy, right? Everyone is always working. Nobody takes time to just stop. And we're going to we're we're take it. time to stop and be well, together. Well, in, 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 in a sense, and I owe it to, to Greg and Scott who are over there, I say thank you because I don't know that I would have thought of us or we would have been able to do this had we not had a place to stay and we're going to have you know a place to stay and then we're going to venture out from there so and then and then i get you know finish not finish my season but i'm doing a late season hunt in idaho it's a state i've never hunted and i always try and hunt one new state a year minimum and so i'm gonna go on there. i'm gonna make the drive who are you, who are you taking with any well, of these who, any of your partners over there no i don't know it will well, it, it we'll see who, who, comes <laughs> up, who comes up with the biggest check can kill <laughs> But, I, you know, I'm going to drive, whatever that is, 1,800 miles. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. Well, and I'm I also... I go to bed at night thinking about Brandon, pheasants. Brandon doesn't have his microphone attached to him, but Brandon, it's so dry right now. The drought is... Oh, we won't is, get wet this year, We're not going to get wet, sure. even if we go with Scott out yeah. to his, his uh, swamp. You won't, you won't be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of birds. North Dakota season just opened. And I'm I have not great, heard great any things. negative reports. No, it's I'm exciting. Good things. Um, the weather is cooling down, as we mentioned. Ron Chair couldn't make it tonight because there was a flurry, and <laughs> so it's it's the it's time, time. Of the season. Yeah, I mean, you, did we talk about the crop harvest? I think we did a little bit. It's like sixty-five. percent The beans are about sixty-five percent out, yeah. and in and this is in Minnesota. <laughs> and, and corn, corn is one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. Corn's like fifteen. 20%. It's okay because it extends the greatness for yeah, a while. It does. Because every cornfield that comes out, and then means, the birds move around. Yes. I have heard that North Dakota's ahead, though. Um, yeah, a yes. place where we filmed last year for uh, the mother-daughter hunt with uh, Dan Berglove and Jim Wood. 
they talked to me and said they had great hunting in North Dakota in that all the crops were out. And when we were there last year, they were all in. Looking forward to it. I'm heading out there in one and a half weeks. Or Are you excited? Two? Oh, my gosh. Well, you, I, you've been hunting. I have been hunting. Yeah, I, I spent the time, uh, a few days in the woods at a very special grouse camp in northwest Wisconsin. And it was with Bob St. Pierre from Pheasants Forever and Matt Kaharski from Pheasants Forever. And it was Bob's in-law's family cabin. And this is their last grouse hunt. They do this every year where they go up and they have a group of friends that get together and um, they're selling the cabin. So oh. this was kind of a, a last hurrah. And Paul was there, one of the uh, family members that has owned the place and he told stories and we cooked food and I mean it's just every, every part of it. Um, Dave Simonette from the band Trampled by Turtles, uh, we Bob and Dave and I, we hunted together, and Dave had a dog, a rescue dog, that got him into hunting a couple years ago, and hearing his story, everybody at that camp had a really cool story. Dave and I, we, we had this back and forth out there in the woods, because Daisy was just on point like crazy, and just boom, and I, every time, I'm like, guys, there's a bird in front of her, and then his dog, Herbeck, who, Dave's a big Twins fan, so Herbeck is uh, his dog's name. <clears throat> would go in and rustle up this bird, and Daisy would stand there and watch it go. And one of us would take a shot, and then Herbeck would go find it and bring it back. And we just had this teamwork. It was amazing. We got our limit of woodcock. We missed a lot of grouse. We got a couple of grouse. It was just magical in the woods. It was crisp, cool. Leaves were falling. Colors, the yeah. colors. There were times where our blaze orange was a dangerous color to wear because it matched all the leaves around. And we just kept thinking, like, guys, this is, we wait all year for this right now. And it's here, and the days don't, like, I, Scott, I want to tell you that I want to take off the next, like, six weeks and just go on you go every trash. single day. But I am it's going not to Scott be. you need to ask. It's your wife. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know, I know. Yes, actually, I'm going to North Dakota in two weeks, and I'm going to be, out there for a few days, and I was looking at flights to fly our cameraman back home so I could stay for three more days. And then I talked to my wife about it, and I said, well, you cool with these days? And she goes, you're going to miss this, this, and this, and this, and this of your kids that are going to be doing all these things. And I'm like, you're right. I'm coming back home. Oh, so, they'll have other ones. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm excited about our hunt together. I'm excited about North Dakota, and then I get back from that, and I'm heading to Iowa all these places have great reports this year, so there's just a lot of optimism. It's Everybody, a great time that, of year. It's if you the love the bird hunt, this is the time. Yeah. We wait for this, and there's years where we're kind of like, well, we're going to go out and give it a try. Not good reports. This isn't one of those years. No. This is one of those years where everyone's excited, and you should be, and we're going to find birds, and that's why we do this. That's right. We wait for this year, all, this time of year, all year long. We do, and it's here. Thank you guys for coming yes, out tonight to you. join us. Thank you to Bear Cave Brewing for letting us come and yes. hang out at their place. It's a wonderful place. the The whole wall is full of taps over there. Bill, you've had a few. Sky, you've had a few. Any favorite flavors? I don't know what the last one I had hat was. What was that? That was good. It was an IPA of some an sort. IPA. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's a cool place. You, you wear a wristband. You swipe it. You you pour your own. Yes, Bill. I do. I did want to mention this tonight. After the hurricane, we went snipe hunting this spring, right? Um, and we hit the St. John's River in Titusville, Florida. Right now, you're seeing all the reports on the news about the massive flooding outside of Orlando. 
that's all the St. John's River where we were. So just a little shout out. We're thinking about those people. It's bizarre to think that we were walking that area, you know, in February, hunting birds, one of the most pristine, beautiful riverways on the planet, and now they're buckled under massive water with just an, an immense amount of destruction. Yeah. I th- you mentioned that, and I've got some friends that have lost some puppies and lost dogs lately, and, you know, things happen in life. And it's just a reminder that if you've got the opportunity now to get out and do this, bring somebody with. Scott will agree with this. I mean, we all agree with this. But bring somebody with you this season and enjoy the time when you got it. Those crisp, beautiful fall days turn to winter, and pretty soon the season is over. The best 30 days of the year right begin now. right now. Yeah. We appreciate everyone. We appreciate you you for coming out tonight. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you, Brandon, as always, for making this possible. We appreciate you more than anybody because without you, yeah, we're just talking amongst ourselves. (laughs) We'll We'll see you next week.